This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fault. There we go. Oh, she does it again. Welcome back to another episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Lore. The gang is back together. <laughs> what you got there, Bobby? Bobby's got a oh, new yeah. new call. I got what every Tom wants, baby. <laughs> he got his very own Woo-hoo! foreplay turkey call. We got him. We got him the the new rafter. Nice thing about the rafter. I'm gonna have to take these headphones off. I know he's like blowing us out. Nice thing about the rafter is that it has both a high pitch and a low pitch. Yeah, in yeah, the box. I saw that. So that's the redesign. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys get that high pitch and the low pitch? I'm sure you did. I got it in my ear. I did, yeah. but it's re- it's quite guys, loud. We'll probably have to tone that down. Right now, can you? Yeah. <laughs> No one can hear in their car yeah, or anywhere. But, yeah, it doesn't matter because you know what? It sounds good. So it's, you know, it does sound it, good. And, yeah. and right now, hey, it's what every Tom. It wants. is. And right now, what every hunter can get is twenty five percent off with Spring twenty three. Oh, nice. We're jumping in with just deals off. Yeah, the bat. man, right away. <laughs> deals. Hey, no, we need to go directly to the special coffee. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Yeah, we're we it, yeah we're just company men today. We are. <laughs> We uh, also have our special coffee going. We have a couple blends. We're, should we start with, with the special blend that was sent to yes. us by a listener? Yes, we should start with that. We have a new recipe this week from Dan Avery, a Maxler Pro Staffer. He calls it Pintail Soup. He's been really wanting us to try out his version of special coffee. And so this morning, we yes, did. morning, we did a little, uh, we a little taste, taste testing. So I have, I'm double fisting coffee right now. Mm -hmm. In my right hand, I do have Avery's. It is quite good. I walked in very concerned what was going on. Walked into the kitchen. I wasn't sure. There was a bunch of fireball on the counter. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't like fireball. I do not do fireball anymore. (laughs) Now, Now, why why is that? Well, when fireball (laughs) came out, I was in college. And okay. that, that he was. He doesn't have to say much yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, That okay. was enough for me to uh, stop drinking antifreeze in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so but, it's a mixture of our coffee, the Harris Cookhouse El Camp Roast, hot chocolate, fireball, and Bailey's. Yeah. So if you're going to make one cup of it, you would take a mini bottle of fireball, mm-hmm. a mini bottle of Bailey's, one package of uh, hot cocoa powder. And then you'd mix it up with eight ounces of Herod's Elk Roast coffee. I thought it was going to be very cinnamony. I thought it was going to have right. that fire, but everything mellows out and it's got a really good taste to it. Yeah, it's actually no, it, quite it, good. It actually is really good. It is very yeah. good. Yeah. So yeah. great job, Dan. Yeah. We got Thank a little... you, Danny. You can imagine this in cold weather, especially. Oh, yeah, yeah it no, does say exactly. to enjoy Sh- while hunting, fishing in a duck blind, but under 60 under degrees. 60 it... degrees. <laughs> but of course, we had to try it a little differently, too. Yeah, and so we obviously have to pay our bills and so (laughs) we did then take a version of dan's recipe and meshed it with the wood family spirits columbia bourbon oh man and oh yeah it's another level yeah it's yeah it is you know what they they both are fantastic they're both good yeah yeah. Boy, that bourbon. Did you add that? the Baileys in this one? I did. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. He had, he added the same everything except just, for he just switched yeah. out the the fireball, fireball. for 
Columbia Bourbon. Columbia Bourbon. Yeah, no, it's so, it's great. Uh, two awesome options sitting right in front of me. I know. I wonder why that uh, Columbia Bourbon is so good in coffee. Well, I, it, you know the fla- I, the flavor of it. It, it really, I don't know. It, it's it something just, about it. Yeah, it just it it adds just a different a different flavor to it, and it's really good. I haven't actually like developed the palate to like taste all of the intricacies of mm-hmm. all of these things, you know. Good when I'm with Alyssa, she's like, "Yo, did you taste forest floor? Did you taste mushrooms?" And like, no, I don't even know what a forest floor tastes like. <laughs> but we do have yes. Why don't we just ask a Tom? little bit of an answer from Tom Atwood Family Spirits, who's going to explain a little bit how his bourbon tastes so good in Richie's coffee. Well, this morning, guess what? I'm with Tom Wood of Wood Family Spirits, and we are having our special coffee. Yes, I'm having it right now. It's good. <laughs> well, it is good. Really? Of course it is, yeah. So why is the Columbia bourbon so dang good in coffee? What's the deal? Uh, well, it's a three-year straight bourbon, so it's been sitting in barrels for a long time getting ready. Yeah. But it's also um, it's a high corn mash bill bourbon, and that corn brings in a sweetness and, uh, and whiskey fats that really make a difference in, uh, in any of your flavor profiles. But in this case, it goes great with coffee right oh absolutely we love it with coffee it's it's probably one of the best bourbons i've had in coffee normally i don't like (laughs) bourbon and coffee oh well i'm glad i could change your mind because uh you know the columbia bourbon we when we when we thought about the mash bill which is uh how is the is what grains you use to make the beer that makes the spirit we used 80 percent corn 10 percent malted barley and 10 percent rye it just really kind of rounds out such a cool bourbon profile where you get a, the sweetness from the corn um, with a little bit of the pepper from the rye yeah so there you have it that's why special coffee with the columbia bourbon so good thank you so much for your fine coffee blend i think it they were a match made in heaven i think they are <laughs> so yeah it's a good mash so there you have it it's all about what he puts in it absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely it's the sweetness mm-hmm. i think and just that mm-hmm. little bit of spiciness it just boy yeah you know, we're, we're going to have to send Danny a, a bottle. We so, need to, don't yeah. we? Yes. Yeah, we, yeah. we better send him. we, we got to send him a bottle so yeah. that he's got one. In fact, Britton and I will take it when we go to uh, Anderson. There you go. And yeah. just hand it to him. Yep. Yep. We'll take I a bet it doesn't it. survive long at Anderson. No, that's definitely <laughs> coming home empty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll have to bring multiple bottles. Yeah, so. yeah it it, uh, it probably won't last for No. Long. I'll stop by the, I'm going down to the Couve this weekend, so I'll stop by the tap room and see what it's all about. There you go. It's awesome. I had a great time there. Today on the podcast, we have Eric Broughton, Maxer Pro Staffer, who's going to be talking all things uh, turkey hunting. Richie yeah. sat down with him, and uh, it's it was, a good interview. Yeah, it's a great interview. And, and Eric, you know, he's he's quite the outdoorsman. He's a good wildlife <laughs> fisherman, and he likes to turkey hunt. Yeah. And he knows a lot about it. Yeah, so. turkey extraordinaire. Wanted to do something a little different and add another little section into the podcast this week because we do have some things in the news yeah. That are interesting. So recently, as of about two, three weeks ago, there was a state record northern pike caught in Idaho. You know what? It broke the other record that the guy caught on a wedding ring. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. The, guys, the, the guy caught that on a wedding ring about six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, six pound test, 40 plus pound pike. Whoa. Yeah. Guess where it was? Yeah. On Hayden. Hayden? Hayden? Yeah. yeah. Hayden yeah. Lake? Yeah, he caught and it on the, Hayden. It was, yeah, 40.76 pounds, 49 inches in length, and 26.5 inches in girth. Just a wow, monster. Of a that fish. is a monster. Yeah. 
So uh, both were both the previous record and that one were caught on Hayden. Yeah. Wow, that lake's producing some pike. Yeah. yeah. His name was Thomas Francis. He is an avid northern pike angler and has been for some time. He said, pike is what I go after all the time. I spend almost every day fishing for pike as soon as ice is off and until it comes back. Despite being an avid pike fisherman, nothing could have prepared him for the fish that would later latch onto the end of his line and lay claim to the Idaho State record. It goes on to talk about how it was just a regular day, and she kind of pinned herself to the bottom, kept going, peeling drag the whole time. He knew it wasn't normal, and he could tell it was something special. Suddenly, he got slack in the line, and as she was coming straight up from the bottom, she came flying out of the water, and it was obvious she was a huge fish. He immediately headed for the dock and tried to find a boat with a scale and tape measure. They found a boat with a scale, and the fish pegged out the scale at 30 pounds. <laughs> so Jeez. after a few different visits to uh, find a certified scale, they finally received the certified weight. Nice. So, yeah, it's a pretty fish, and we can post that picture up. There's also a bend man may have caught the world record bull trout on Lake Billy Chinook. I heard that. Yeah, I, I said a, a huge bull trout that could be the largest ever recorded in Oregon and maybe the wor- maybe the world was caught and released on Lake Billy Chinook last week, the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife announced. His There's name some is, toads down there. His name is Ryan Majaski. They were fishing for kokanee on the Deschutes Arm of Lake Billy Chinook. Uh, they were casting to a group of small kokanee that were jumping to the surface when his lure dropped about five feet. Then something grabbed the line and took off. It was a bull trout that maxed out at 33 and a half inches long and 26 inches in girth. Um, after taking some photos of the evidence, they threw the fish back. He said, I'm a little bummed out we didn't keep it so we could get the official record, but it was the right thing to do at the time. We really didn't think about keeping it, so we were excited. The current record is 23.2 pounds. That fish looked Boy, like that it was over 23 pounds. That, that, that blew that out of the water by a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that said, was a well, nice they, can't, you they can't did, retain it. They so, did. I mean, yeah, they, they can. No, they can't. Billy Chinook, they can. Yeah, oh, they can. And yes. Billy Chinook. Yes. Yep. Huh. That's a strange deal. Why? Because they're planted. No idea. I, I, I've I've often wondered that because you know the, Ronnie's talked about you know some of the other areas yeah. around the state and there's some areas where you can actually retain a bull trout and others that you can't. Okay. Yeah. My so, brother works in the hatchery system, so he would know. Yeah. But here in Washington, you can't retain them. No, we can't. Anywhere. Not nowhere. In nowhere. Yeah. So Oregon has a couple. Well, different you know, rules. I shouldn't say that because you know, I th- the Skagit and some of those rivers over there. I actually think that you can. Hmm. I, I, I'm not sure. Not sure. I, I mean, people, I see pictures posted, and you I know. think the main thing is people need to check the regs because yes, it's a yeah. fish oh, that yeah. you're really not yeah. supposed to retain. Now, when you're up in BC, I think it's totally different. So oh, it's yeah. just one of those things you gotta always yeah, check, you gotta check, check the reg for the check. water you're on. Sure. Isn't there sure. an app? Isn't there? Okay, so there's bull trout, oh. right? and then there's Dolly Varden, right? That's the yeah. same thing. No, they're 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 no. genetically different fish. No. No, I, no, no. I, 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 I went he, through this. He's, he's, he's been going through this, no. and I don't believe him. No, no, no. no. You, anyone right now listening, go Google it. Is a Dolly Varden and a bull trout the same fish? They're not, because one of them sea run, and they have a little bit different of a dorsal fin, I think. Well, look, look. When I was a kid growing up in eastern Oregon, and we caught them in the Anthony Lakes area, and that was not a sea run fish. It was in a little stream, and everybody during the 70s called them Dolly Varden. Dolly Varden. And it's... A bull trout. They're genetically different. Yeah. Google it. Yeah. I know. Doing it right now. It'll be the first result. It'll say, yes, they're genetically different fish. Bottom line is they're part of the char family, and and truthfully, eating them, I don't think think they're that great. I caught one up in, well, Rob Holman caught one up in Alaska. 
This says this particular thing says Dolly Varden is usually coastal species, but I'm just telling you that. Oh, so you're I'm, n- none of none of us. You wouldn't be able to in tell those days. Well, let me tell you, they are genetically different, so now they're just coastal. they're lumping them together. Yeah, okay. that's what happens. That's Everybody unfair. lumped them together. But Lake, Lake Chelan, back in the early 1900s, was a destination fishery for large trout. They were fishing on the Stahican River for what they called Dolly Varden. Yeah. I think it's a classic and, case of you lump. I mean, that's why right, common right. names are not yeah, great. Yeah. If you can't tell difference between the two different species of fish, you just call them all the same. Yeah, fish. that's right. Exactly yeah, yeah, right. It's yeah. too hard to even so, regulate so or do So since then, yeah. they, they might have been broke down. Well, but since when us growing up, a dolly and a bull trout were the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, And it's that's the reason you shouldn't use common names. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We had this thing when I was, you know, working and we bought plants. Everybody's like, well, that's that. And I was like, no, it's not that. Well, then you just say what the scientific name is and that's what it is. Sure, sure. But What's not in the news this week is we didn't catch a state record fish. We did not. No, no, we didn't. But we did catch a bunch of walleye. You guys did. Yeah. I did not. Yeah, oh, that well, was, that's that right. Was because somebody was on vacation. Yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, that's right. Oh, it wasn't actually beautiful. It was just straight up raining the entire time. I heard you guys bailing on, you know, just it laying it on to me while I was gone on the last podcast. You know what? We, we did. We, we fished Banks Lake. I don't know as if I've ever had a nicer day Wasn't it Banks be- Lake. Wasn't it beautiful? It was glass. It was beautiful. It was like that day in February it right was. before, like, COVID hit. And yeah. then they said we weren't allowed to fish anymore. Yeah, yeah. We were out there what i guess that's three freaking years ago now and we were out in like late february and it was almost t-shirt weather with just not a ripple in the water i got some good pictures of like you and i and we're just catching fish and and we look it does it looks like spring well the pictures reminded me of that and you know now that we're in 2023 every season's moved back an extra two months (laughs) it was it was sunny on the way up here it's snowing up on the mountain again still yeah it was it was froze here the last two mornings it was 32 this morning but yesterday it was 28 bobby and i showed up wearing the exact same thing today but it is oh you should see officially short season you should see these guys they're like twins did you rich yeah hell no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna twinsies with you showed up wearing khaki shorts and black max lure hoodie the exact same thing i'm in my typical ready to edit sweatpants and a t-shirt your lulu's yeah, my Lulu's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you changed out of that for a week or so? Uh, no, or? no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I just live in this hole. Okay, okay. so back to uh, Banks. You guys did pretty well. I saw a bunch of pictures. Yeah. Um, you took out the, the West Side Boys yeah. who uh, yeah. yep. attempted to walleye fish. Dwayne, Dwayne England, and uh, Matt Messing. I'm telling you what. And now, th- this is this is the typical, the typical scenario. You're taking somebody who's never really walleye fished before. Well, it's his second try- time. Uh, huh? It's his second time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got so, the sweep down. It's a He does. The, oh, he, the motion the, the, is the, great. The sweep is fine. He, he, he can deal with that. But the problem is, is this time of the year, those fish, first thing in the morning, you know how they are. This time of year, we're fishing deep water. You're trolling as slow as your motor can go. I mean, from point four to point six, you well, know. Well, he doesn't have a bow mount. He doesn't have a bow mount, yeah. so we're we're trolling a little bit faster. Those fish won't chase anything, so they come up, and you'll get that little bite, 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 and Dwayne sits there and looks at it, and I'm going, Dwayne, you got to take it out of the rod holder because if you don't dump any line, we're going fast enough. 
that he's not going to stay with it, and he's is all you're going to do is have to change out your worm, and, and I, you 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 have to finesse these, you have to work them right right now. This is the way, and he'd look at it, and it's bite bite, and I'm going, oh my god, <laughs> and, and finally he would go over and he would he would pull it up out of the rod holder. Now these are those those uh, rod holders that you have to pull up on the snap front them out, yeah. snap them out so you got to snap them out hard to get them out yeah. of the rod holder yeah. and then drop back down guess what fish gone yeah i finally got him to you know learn how to dump line the, the first couple times i said now you got to dump line and he'd open up he'd go click open up his pool and he'd dump three feet line no 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 hold it you know forget it we missed a whole bunch of fish right off the bat richie's over there richie's got two fish in the boat already we haven't got nothing other than we've been bit like a half a dozen times. So, so this is how oh, this went. Oh Britain. my God! So the day before, Dwayne, Matt, and I trout and kokanee fished in Roosevelt, and it was slow, but we ended up getting one keeper and a few a few trout. And then he wanted to walleye fish, and Bobby was coming up, so we just we were going to go to Banks mm. to walleye fish. And so I'm like, oh, well, Bobby's coming up, and, and Dwayne wants to come. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like. Bobby, you should ride with Dwayne. Yeah, and great. I'll take my boat and I'll get, film from the side. And I'm I like, because I knew I knew exactly <laughs> how this was gonna be, just because he couldn't go slow enough. I'm like, oh, I want to take my boat, which which was fine, you know, from that standpoint. But then I get out there and they follow me. We get to the spot where I wanted to start and I drop down. And I had two fish and I'm like, what are you guys doing? We're still rigging gear. <laughs> No, 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 no. We yes, weren't you rigging. were. I, 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 I had at least two rods. In well, the he was saying yeah. he was oh, rigging gear. He was. Yes, yeah. I was trying. I was trying to. I already had two yeah. rods in the water. I had two. And it, and it I already had two been fish. Bit. I don't doubt I Bobby. Two Bob, fish. Bobby has his rods ready the night before. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. you guys know better. We I, get into I the boat up, on the launch, and he's I like, "Do you guys have worms like this?" Went whoop, and they were in the water, and I'm fishing, and I'm looking over there, going. You guys fishing? What are you doing? Dwayne's tying. Dwayne's over there tying stuff. And, and I'm going, Dwayne, just, just get him in the water, okay? <laughs> no, yeah, it, it, it's fun teaching teaching yeah. somebody how to. Every every fishery has a different style. It, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're, you're perch jerking, whether you're fishing yeah. for crappie, whether yeah. you're trolling for salmon. Everything's got its own particular style. And trying to teach somebody the ins and outs right. of what this time of the year like i said well, you, you know how those fish work it's tough well, to teach somebody to walleye that was fish. one of oh. the hardest things that i ever learned yeah. was like is that the bottom bouncer or is that a bite exactly another plug here but those your guys's walleye rods actually oh, yeah. help a ton with that because oh, they're absolutely. so sensitive and light yeah. that you can almost tell the difference between a and a tick. oh you can tell immediately yeah trying to get somebody to understand that you're not pulling herring you don't want them to peg the rod tip into the water because they're not going to do it. They're not going to do that. This time of the year, right. they're not going to do that. No. If you're going to catch a walleye, this is what you got to do. After I'd caught like the first four fish, then Dwayne started understanding a little bit more about it. And, and, and started, you guys got fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you guys start pinching the worms at this point. Oh, we too. did. Oh, because, sure. Because they're, I mean, yeah, that's what I told them right away. They're, I, they're just I, following. I, I yelled mean, across and said, make sure your worms are short because they were just, you know, barely biting. Yeah. yeah. And you want them to be on your hook. Otherwise, they're going to grab that tail, get a little piece, and then they're done. Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, a late to early March, yeah. April time frame and you guys were fishing cold. and you guys were just pulling super slow death rigs or slow yes. death rigs and but small, small blades slow small profile small profile smile yeah. blades you know a few beads that, as small that as you could make setup. it 
short yeah. worms, and it, I was going anywhere from 0.6 to 0.8 miles an hour. And so we, we, uh, I we actually caught, I, in fact, I, one of my rigs I kept set up, which got bit almost as much as the other one. I, you know, I used a regular crawl, crawler harness, yeah. but it, it's just something that you had to pinch that worm because those fish wouldn't follow it. They're too lethargic right now. It's cold. Yeah. The water was, uh, 39, 38, yeah. 39 How deep degrees. are you fishing? Uh, anywhere from 50 to 55 feet. Yeah. yeah. So, so. You, I'm sure, you know, as as the weeks have gone on here and we've had a few warmer days that, that that's changing they're gonna they're gonna spawn i i think every area is a little bit different those fish down on the river look like they've already spawned yeah okay. um, could the, be the, the, the river fish. well i don't know the ri- the river was colder though it was 37 degrees i, I, I understand but but the thing is is that well, know, i don't think they've spawned that that next full moon doesn't come up well that none of them none of them are are leaking they, they all those males and i just stuff don't, are, i don't think they're there yet the water's too cold I don't know, man. I, that that the, the the last the last full moon in in April is the time that they generally. It spawn. needs to be like forty two degrees or higher, and I, the river I'm yeah. telling you was like thirty seven degrees. It was like freezing. Mm-hmm. How's have you talked to Shelby or anything? I've seen a few uh, of our guide staff pulling a decent amount of fish out of uh, potholes too. Yeah, uh, Levi I know was catching some fish. Yeah. I haven't talked to Shelby, but I think Levi was catching fish. Yeah, they they they've been doing pretty and, good. Uh, you talk- know, the first thing it's going to fish like it always does is Moses Lake. Yeah, and- I talked to uh, BJ's guide service yeah. Brian, and he he was catching he was catching some fish. Yeah, he's on Moses. Uh, pot, potholes, I think, is where yeah, he's getting he, them. He's been fishing potholes, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Moses should fish, and if you're gonna fish Moses, now's the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's the. Well, we're not gonna go fish Moses. We're not right now. We're not right at the moment. <laughs> I might though. I'd like to go out and fish with him. He's starting to fish our rods. Well, Brian we, is. We 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 really need to just go out and fish. I don't care what we fish for. If we go fish for goldfish, that's fine. Well, but, we do have a show fine. coming up. We'll be filming a show soon. We will be. Yes. We uh, we're supposed I to hope be so. we're supposed to be uh, potentially fishing right now for that show. Yeah. Well, this was a bad week, but the wind, the wind is howling. Wind, wind, wind. Yeah. And the it's going to stay like that. I I keep watching it, and it keeps shifting back and forth. And you know, you get above you get above twelve, and it's very difficult to fish. I just I just got back from a long trip. Visiting sponsors all the way down in Western Oregon to see Workshop and Ashland. And on my way back, I crossed at Biggs. I've never seen it that glass before. Oh, <laughs> Are wow. you kidding me? It Just... was glass. Oh. I mean, there wasn't a breath. Yeah. It was uh, unreal. I was like, what? So I'm texting Mark Bush, you know. Yeah. Uh, you all remember Mark. We just um, he went, posted a podcast with Mark. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah. how's it going? <laughs> he goes, we did well. I'm like, I'm sure you I did. Bet, I bet you did. <laughs> Boat control. Yep. I just hope it's not wet. It's been super wet down there too. And, yeah. Um, but that's a, a show you get to look forward to this fall. Yep. And uh, we're going to go down and fish Lower Columbia for some walleye. Yes, we are. No, Mid Columbia. Mid Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. It's lower to us, but it is lower to us. <laughs> it is. We're way up here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. kidding. So hopefully you guys can get out there and go chase some walleye. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to have Eric Broughton on to talk some turkey.
Well, today I'm with Eric Broughton again. How are you doing, Eric? Pretty good. I'm great. Uh, the last time that Eric and I talked, we talked walleye fishing, but today we're we're going to talk about turkey hunting because it's about time. And besides that, uh, Bobby uh, squeaking on the box is just getting me excited. Everybody's getting excited, but you know, there's nothing worse than somebody squeaking on a box. <laughs> yeah, he's learning how to use it a little bit better, but you know, he's not really a turkey hunter. You know, he's a fisherman. So let's remind folks a little bit about what you do, and and also tell them all the things that you're involved with, uh, particularly around the turkey realm. Uh, Eric Broughton, I, I work for uh, the Department of Fish and Wildlife, but for years. I've been involved with uh, wild turkeys, worked with the Turkey Federation for years when we were bringing turkeys into Washington, and uh, actually was one of, the, one of the guys that was helping move turkeys around the state to start populations. You know, over the years, you kind of get so used to uh, being, you know, working with birds, you end up wanting to hunt them, and so <laughs> we ended up, you know, the, we have the Washington Slam here, in the, and so the Turkey Federation chapters, and you get all the... Involved, being involved in that for eight or nine years, me and my wife bringing on, we had a Lincoln County Longbeards um, out here. And then I was a Washington State Chapter President with the Turkey Federation for a while, bringing in, helping bring in and pay for the Easterns that we brought in on the West Side. And uh, just a lot of involvement around turkeys. But then uh, we kind of got out of the chapter system and stuff and, and got into more of the the hunting and then when social media showed up we started uh, doing a lot of there was still a lot of knowledge you know thirst for turkey hunting because a lot of people that grew up in Washington you know we grouse hunted and deer hunted and duck hunted and stuff pheasant hunted but you know turkey hunting was pretty new and so there wasn't a lot of people doing turkey hunting there was there was a few but it was there was a lot of there was a thirst out there just for some knowledge you know on how to do stuff so through the turkey chapters we kind of developed that over the years but there was still you know when social media hit boy boy there was an opportunity to really educate and mentor new people and so I created a, a kind of a fun group site Washington State Wild Turkey Hunting Club and on that we uh, invite people in you know to join us and we teach new hunters and youth hunters and we talk about you know techniques and what to do what not to do and it's just kind of a really cool group site on Facebook and now we have like 3,600 members on just on that site so a lot of content you know we're doing uh, live seminars on Tuesdays this spring just trying to be allow people to ask questions uh, question and answer sessions, questions on how to call in a turkey, how to hunt a turkey, what types of guns to use, what type of camo to buy, what kind of decoys. To, I mean, there's all kinds of information out there that I think it's really important to share with people so that they can enjoy it too, because it's turkey hunting isn't always easy. It's still hunting and there's still techniques that work and then there's techniques that don't. I enjoy following the site. You know, I've been hunting turkeys for a long time myself, but what I do like is that, you know, people who are first getting into this or especially youth, they're learning a lot from something like that. And so I think that's a that's a really good deal. And so if you're out there, make sure you go and, and follow the page. Say the name again. So Washington State Wild Turkey Hunting Club. So look for that on Facebook. Now, is it on Instagram too or just uh, Facebook? Just Facebook for now. Yeah. Yeah. Just Facebook for now. So go out there and find that on social media and give that a follow and you guys will be learning a lot from there. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So let me, let's maybe start with the basics. 
since uh, you were involved with uh, a lot of this from the beginning. Here we are in uh, eastern Washington. What's the species of turkey that we mostly have around here, say from here over to the Spokane area? In the early days, we put a lot of Merriams were brought in from Colorado. So they put those in the 60s up around in the Klickitat mm-hmm. area down south. And then they also put them up around Hunters, Sedonia. And then, but they didn't release them in large numbers. In the late 80s, early 90s, they, they got some energy to release some birds again. And uh, we brought in some Rio Grande turkeys from Texas, Mm -hmm. and we put them in the Blue Mountains. And then as those populated, we trapped birds in the Blue Mountains and brought them up to areas like the Palouse River, Lincoln County. And we also tried some some Rios in drier areas like the Chilliwist, you know, different places around the state, because they're more of an arid type of Mm -hmm. turkey. And then, but Merriam's mainly in the northeast part of the state have done really well. We still have Merriam's in the Klickitat. They're doing really well down there out of Yakima. And then we have Merriam's in the Clockham, some of the areas in uh, Chelan County. And then uh, in Okanagan County, we've gone back to Merriam's because we just found out that they do really well. So we have lots of populations in uh, Okanagan. And then we brought brought in a bunch of Easterns from Iowa that were eating corn. Mm-hmm. We flew them into SeaTac and, and <laughs> did the blood work there. And then we released them in all over the west side and put them out in the rainforest. Oh, wow. So we've ta- back then they talked to a lot of research biologists from the Turkey Federation about how much to put out and this and that and how long it would take before we'd see turkey, enough turkey numbers to be able to hunt them. And it just seemed like you wouldn't see them that often, yeah. but they are there. Oh, yeah. And and now, they've, now we have a, a huntable population, but they are a wily mm-hmm. bird. So we have the Washington Slam. We have a three subspecies, the Eastern. I call it the Western because it's on the west side of the state. <laughs> right, but, right. And then we have, uh, you know, the Rio Grande, which is in Lincoln County in, in southeast Washington down the Blue Mountains. And, and the Palouse River, you know, all that. And then we have the Merriams and mainly the northeast, northern counties, and then down out of the Klickitat. Yeah, we're really fortunate here in Washington in that respect because turkeys seem to do really well. And I know that I live over in Chelan County, and, you know, I remember you know, working in the Forest Service and not seeing turkeys anywhere. And since I've been retired for the last six years, so, so I'd say in the last decade, there's a lot more turkeys. In fact, they're running through my yard now. So that's a kind of a nice thing. It's getting me excited that I might be able to actually uh, do well hunting around there. So, okay. So the next thing let's talk about is some hunting techniques. And we do have the youth opener coming up here real soon and getting kids out in the woods. Uh, I'm kind of a running gun guy. I like to get out of the truck, strike a bird and take off, set up and try to get them in. That's a lot of fun for me. What, how do you like to hunt them, Eric? Kind of the same way, I, but I, I really like to uh, locate them and then, yeah. then try to, you know, figure them out from that point, you know, if I, but there's some, some places I have, there's established roosts that are annual and you always know that the birds are there. And I, I actually have a blind on public land that I've hunted out of for at least, uh, 20 years now I think we've killed 35 birds out of it and it's just a spot in the woods on some DNR that when you call their call bounces off every nook and cranny and those birds come right to you it's just a perfect setup and and then uh with the youth season you know I really you know the kids like to move around a lot so I'll find a, a place where the birds are are spending their time in the morning you know off the roost and try to put in a blind or something and you know maybe one of those portable blinds and sitting there but uh there's so that's what that, that's a fun part about turkeys is there's so many different ways you can hunt them, yeah. 
and different places to visit in the state. We have them all over the place. So the fun things I'd like to do is find a new piece of land that's got turkeys or a new piece of ground. And that keeps my interest, you know. I, I love going back to the old places. I've killed birds before, you know, or, and uh, hunted them. And usually you can strike up a bird in some of those areas. But I really like venturing out and trying new areas within the state. Like this year, I, I want to go up to Pondere County and try it up there because I hear it's phenomenal and there's not a lot of people up there compared to other counties, you know. So Yeah, one of the things I really enjoy about turkeys is that uh, it's a lot like elk hunting for me. That's how I always say and because you can call and get an answer and then the other part of that is they do they're habitual they do go to the same kinds of spots even daily and especially when they start getting uh, to the point here where the gobblers are are looking for hens they'll find these strutting zones and a lot of places that that I hunt have nice little meadows and surrounded by trees and then there be one bench and then another bench and so if you strike a bird you know where you need to get to and try to beat him to that spot so you can get set up and hopefully uh, call him in but uh, that's uh, one of my favorite parts about it. What are some of the habitat features since that's kind of your specialty that w- that uh, folks should be looking for? So turkeys love to if you just talk about roosting sites, um, they like to use trees to sleep in at night. So they they will fly into the top of a tree. You know, in canyon country, they'll they will probably go to the top mm-hmm. and or a side hill and then fly down into the top of a tree. So in Stevens County, I find that the Merriams they love to run the ridges mm-hmm. and they will go right to the top. And I mean, just like an elk, you know, I mean they're gonna you know take you to wherever you you want to go but uh when you hunt the rios and there's merriams in lower elevations too like right now in the you know they're probably in big family groups and they're down lower in farm fields you know where they wintered but they really they really like the ponderosa pine the merriams the rios they'll they will roost in similar trees but they're more of like a farmland edge timber type habitat you'll see a lot of rios in oregon uh, eastern oregon and, and western oregon they got a lot of Rio Grande subspecies, and uh, and they're even different in how they sound. The Merriams have kind of this high-pitched, you know, annoying gobble, and and versus the the Rios got kind of a a different type of gobble, and and how they act, they their mannerisms are a little different. The Eastern's more of the monarch of the woods, you know. They're very stoic. If you ever go back east to hunt Easterns, it's a totally different type of turkey hunt, but. It's just, it's kind of cool when you look at the different habitat features. So they, you know, when they roost, you know, there's different trees that they like to fly into and stuff. But, you know, when they're, when they're flying down out of those in the mornings, they usually go and feed on stuff. They poop, they kind of scratch around and the hens kind of preen and they, the toms are all excited and they're fighting each other and they're strutting and they're getting up, but they're still in these big family groups. And then like what's going on right now is they're they're kind of starting to break up, you know. One of the things similar to elk hunting that that we found successful, and you're talking about roost trees, is that in the afternoon, you're driving out on the roads, you're hiking out to a spot, and try to listen to where they, because they'll when they go to a roost tree, they tend to just gobble all the way to that thing, and then you can find if you can find the general location where that roost tree is, and that's the spot you want to be in the morning, right? When we're driving around the woods, just locating birds, you know, using owl hoots or mm-hmm. or a coyote call or whatever, honk the horn on yeah, the truck. Yeah, yeah. 
you can actually uh, locate a bird that might be near the roost or in the roost and they usually gobble after dark for a while and then they shut up but if you if you can locate them you want to kind of hunt near where they're at you might not need to be right underneath the roost tree but at least in a short distance 100 yards or so from a roost tree yeah that's a really good technique you know especially if you're new to turkey hunting and you're trying to figure out how do i hunt these dang things is you know put them to bed that's what we say put them to bed and then learn your terrain um, because eric talked about the features of habitat edge near you know maybe it's near ag but these edges can be meadows and where we hunt them a lot here in eastern washington oregon there's it's timbered but there's meadows and they love those meadows what do they look for in a strutting zone you know the strutting zone is kind of a wide definition so during in the morning a strutting zone could be where the hens are Mm -hmm. which is probably in those meadows Right. right and they're they're there because there's water food they can get a drink and then the hens kind of dictate they they start to get you know as the spring starts into it and things start to get warmer birds or during the day those birds will leave those meadows and they'll start to move up in elevation normally and those toms their pecking order has been established the toms just like an elk they have their harem and those that big boss tom's going to follow those hens up the mountain and so knowing that you're going to be you know you it's kind of a chess game like i've said before you kind of you don't want to be below them you want to maintain at the level you don't want to be above them you want to be above them or or be same level. same level and so knowing where they might be later you don't maybe not want to set up down in the bottom early in the morning but kind of be in position now that's what i found too boy if you can find where they're going to on that high spot and get there first and get mm-hmm. set up you, you've got a really good chance and i uh, another thing for folks is they don't like to cross draws much especially if it's thick so you kind of have to figure that out right oh yeah, yeah. any obstacle fence yeah a creek i've done it but it takes a lot of coaxing and they they're just so horny that they're going to come across anyways but you know it's rare they will hang up on a lot of obstacles so the key is to kind of find where these travel routes are and they and they kind of do this little trip every day they may have several roost trees but generally they're following the same kind of route but if you can crack that code right then you're going to have some success yeah you're going to have some success especially if you can figure out you know, I usually, when I'm scouting birds, if, if it's preseason and I have a bird a flock I'm watching, I always look for some common denominator. It might be a gate that they go through. It might be a spring that they stop off. Yeah. You know, anything like that as far as a location to set up. What's your preferred uh, shotgun? Today, it's now it's a 410, but it's a, because now they have different ammo, you know, available to turkey hunters. So they make a tungsten super shot to tss and it's a nine and a half shot and i use a three inch seven eighths ounce load and it's got around 256 pellets i think in that little shell and it's so dense you know it doesn't it doesn't it's not like lead it it won't it won't just deform go right through the with your pattern and so it's pretty deadly you know 20 yards and it's a lightweight gun you know so for an old fat guy you know it's nice to have something a little bit on my side you know for climbing up the mountains but you know the i used to i still have my 12 gauges with the three and a half and shotgun shells and i have a 20 gauge tube but i that little 410 stevens has just been a dynamite yeah the bottom line is you can use basically 
the shotgun that you have, but usually you want like a, a magnum or something like he's described that shot's going to really do the do the business for you because uh, you got to aim at their head. Yeah, you need to be in the upper head part if you want to kill a bird. You don't want to be shooting them in the body, that's for sure. But pattern your gun, make sure you use an extra full choke. The tungsten isn't cheap. It's around $10 a shell. So I find some low base 410s and get my pattern in or whatever, but use some different ammo. The lead, like the 12 gauge, you know, turkey loads that you can still buy for cheap, you can use those to pattern your gun. But with the TSS, I would use, you know, something first to get your sights on and then use maybe one shell just to make sure it's on. Yeah, that's a good thing to do is pattern your shotgun. If you're not familiar with how your shotgun shoots, it's real important because when you go out there and kind of know your distances, the pattern's really good at is it really disperse at 40 yards or you need to come into 30 before you have a good a good pattern with your with your shells. So it's good to go out and shoot. Yeah, we try to do that every year as a tradition before we go just to make, then it's good to, you know, know how your weapon operates. So keep everything clean, yep. get it all ready. I'm ready now. Let's go. I'm ready now. Let's go. I'm I'm with you. <laughs> I can't wait to go. Actually, I'm looking forward to it. A couple weeks. It's going to be a little while for me. But it's been a really long winter. Oh, it's been a long winter, and we're all antsy to get out. So the last thing let's talk about is a lot of ways to cook a wild turkey. Some people think, how could you eat that thing? And honestly, I think I love wild turkey. I think it's delicious, and you just have to know how to cook it, just like anything else that we always talk about. Do you have some favorite techniques or things you would offer well the first thing i do is i try to take care of my meat when i shoot the turkey and i and if you're gonna roast it you're gonna gut it now they have the gutless method for elk well there's a gutless method for turkeys and if you've ever smelled turkey guts you're gonna appreciate the gutless method for turkeys (laughs) but it's basically taking the breast meat off and then the thighs taking those off if you want to take there's not a lot of meat on the wings but if you want to take those it's fine and the drumsticks you don't want to throw those away either i usually take the legs and the thighs and and the breast all right off the carcass and i don't have to gut the turkey i put those right in some cold water you know let them soak and then uh I package them up, mm-hmm. and then I like one of my favorite recipes is to take that breast meat and kind of do a, a pounded buttermilk, mm-hmm. you know? You know what I'm talking about. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's probably my favorite. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a chicken strips version, yeah. but it, you pound out that, that breast, and then you soak it in buttermilk for like an hour, mm-hmm. and then uh, make up your breading, and then put it in the pan and, yeah. you know, fry right it. Up. Yeah, it's really good. Turkey schnitzel. Turkey schnitzel, that's basically what it is, yeah. And and there's, uh, you can basically, you'd be surprised how good that turkey meat is, folks. Um, breast meat, when you do it like that, and I do that the very same way every time. Uh, we have tried to do a regular turkey roast, leave skin on and do that, or or skin them and try to cook them like a, the butter ball you buy out of we the store. Oven, we use oven bags just yeah. to keep the moisture. Yeah. If you're gonna, if you want to keep the moisture, and you want to pluck them, yeah. and nobody likes to pluck no. a turkey. No, but if you if you do that, if you know if you were to skin it and not debone it, essentially, it's hard to keep it moist. They will dry out, and that's why people don't like it, right? Exactly. Yeah. You want to keep it moist yeah. for sure. So that if we've done that in the past, we've usually covered it with bacon. That's a good moisture. Yeah, the, and the thighs and the legs, what I like to do is put those, if everybody's got an Instapot, yeah. throw it in the Instapot, let it cook down, take the, all the tendons out, mm-hmm. and just use that meat and set it aside. And then I, we like to make 
turkey enchiladas or turkey chili or what i mean it's a great meat mm-hmm. to use so you know nothing goes to waste exactly and uh, if you go to the herod outdoors uh, website under the recipes tab and down at the bottom there are many turkey recipes well i'd say several there's several turkey recipes and i want you to look at what we call turkey shank because mm-hmm. what it's the same idea uh, the idea of braising and, and that's what you're talking about using the instapot but I treat my turkey legs like I do a deer or elk shank, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. I add a little bit more sweetness, so apple juice rather than wine. Oh, yeah. No, that's the best way to, to break down that because it's such a tight muscle. Mm-hmm. Turkeys are kind of like chuckers, right? They, oh, yeah. they only use their legs. Yeah. You know, they rarely fly, and those legs are such a tight muscle, you know, and so you have to break that down. Yeah. So don't be afraid. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of people like, I don't know how you can eat that. And I think part of it is the smell when you gut them. It is pretty, pretty rank. But the meat is wonderful, and there's all kinds of ways to do it. So, good. I hope you uh, put a couple in your freezer. I will. I will. I plan on it. <laughs> all right, Eric. Thanks. Might, for... might have Bobby call me in one, one of these years, that fancy box call. Yeah, we're teaching him how to use the foreplay. You know, he's like I say, he's not much turkey hunter, but... He's, he's learning. Crazy. Might have to find a crazy one, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, he might get lucky. If he learns how to use that foreplay and he's getting better, he just needs to slow down his striker a little bit. I think he should stick to fishing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, with that, back to you guys. basically announcing that we're back live. yeah and i guess it we're, is. Live, baby. we're live we're yeah. live the old foreplay turkey call we're live that was eric broughton max Lure pro staffer works for wdfw turkey extraordinaire turkey extraordinaire <laughs> yeah. I, I think i call him the turkey whisperer <laughs> or maybe Dwayne england did to start with but. yeah <laughs> i think he's a walleye whisperer too i don't know you guys make fun of me but uh, you know when back, back in the old it's days, the, his one turkey hunt, I think he's gonna yeah. 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 no, yeah. Back, back in no, I, I've, ki- I've killed three turkeys up here, but I, one of them in season. Yeah, oh, yeah. my goodness. Back, oh. back, back in the old days, I had chances to go go turkey hunting, you know, all over the U.S. I mean, you know, all of these well, guys, why didn't you? I, it never interested me. Yeah. Wait, I what, just what does he never... say when we get in here this morning? He's like, I'm thinking I'm going to go get a turkey yeah. tag. You're not going to go shoot a turkey, Bobby. You're not here. The guy wants to kill anything it on earth. Like, it sounds like a good a- idea. Anything that moves except a turkey. No, I. I but the thing is, is you know what? It's because it's overrated meat. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Oh, no. Uh, you know, it, it's, it is it's just it's one of those things that, that you, you have to really get involved. Like, like Richie said, he's he's a bow hunter and really enjoys calling animals, bringing them into you as close as yep. you can in order to get a shot. I like calling, but, but <laughs> the thing is, is 
if it's not going to come. You know, it's like I told you. With he the, has with, no patience. No, I got no. zero he patience. Has zero. None. That's what. That, that's what they make bigger guns for. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they make bigger zero guns for. Zero patience. So, Richie, are you going to go turkey hunting? Oh, heck, heck yeah, I'm going turkey hunting. I, <laughs> I, I probably will go this week, and uh, I'm going down in Eastern Oregon when we go bear hunting too you're gonna get a brother over here too you know uh, i'd like to have one just like that one here in the in the office <laughs> it's a good beard oh that was a nice bird the eighth of an inch short of 10 inches that's a good bird that's my western oregon bird yeah that's I, a, i'll tell you i'm not going turkey hunting you're not i did no. i figured I'd, yeah hawkeye hawkeye's not going hawkeye. turkey hunting where exactly gps coordinates are you going i'm not telling you that the listeners need to know where the toms are. Well, you know, listeners, whatever gro- Tom wants. The li- the Growing listen- up, the listeners have to find their own. Growing spots. up over here in Eastern Washington, you know, like Eric was saying, you know, they didn't bring those birds in until the nineties. We didn't even know what a turkey was other than a white one that you bought at the store. You yeah, know? Trash. I mean, that we didn't have birds over here. So bringing those birds over here in the nineties, placing them where they did when I first moved back over here twenty years ago, I was just absolutely flabbergasted when it when I saw. You know, I was up looking for elk, of course, and I catch movement in the timber and I start looking. I'm going, what in the hell? <laughs> and, and here goes a flock of turkeys through there. And Ter- I'm going, little oh, dinosaurs, pterodactyls. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they got little T-Rex arms on them and stuff, man. I mean, it was unbelievable. So then I, I, I actually got excited and that's when I went, I, you know, I did my first turkey hunt mm. of all time up on the hill mm. and it lasted at some total of 30 minutes and i was done mm. and it, it was uh well that's your speed well exactly exactly <laughs> and so I, you know i thought hey that's kind of cool so i hunted turkeys for a few years and we, our, our turkey population in this local area had a real downfall uh, over the last eight nine years and uh this guy's like a turkey expert all of a sudden well no i i, I talked to the oh, to the state because i wanted to know what's going on because oh. you, when you see a bunch of turkeys in an area you know you you, you travel and, and you're looking for uh big game and stuff and you see turkeys and then all of a sudden they're gone you don't see any turkeys at all right wolves there's a problem <laughs> so what what happened you know to the turkeys well the state doesn't know well, I think it was that way in the whole Northwest because yeah, there, there's yeah. been a downturn in numbers sure. for a while. But I think I, I think I, what they can say with pretty good confidence: a really hard winter is not good for turkeys. Right. Right. So, not a good year for turkeys. Yeah, it's well, been it's been tough here. All you need to do is you go know what? to Keller and then drive up to Republic. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's good up there. Or go to that little park up by your cabin. Yeah. That little park is the, that, that I how, could do that many, type of hunting. Yeah. How many legal turkeys did we see oh last year driving God. driving up to Keller? There were so many. We, didn't we see ten legal toms right along oh, the, no, road, no, no, that, the road? That yeah. was so we saw a bunch going up to Keller up to that ice fishing yeah. trip, but we also saw a bunch driving up to the Spokane Arm. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. We saw a bunch there too. Yeah, so going, that's where everyone should just go. You know, just down from Crest front yards, backyards. Yeah, yeah. There's they a little. Everywhere. There's a little kids park that they congregate at up in uh, Electric City, and so oh, they're everywhere up um, there. Yeah, that's just where you got to go. That's my type of hunting right there. Yeah. Well, but it, the thing is, I don't is think you once can shoot you get them in a park, no, though. you can't shoot them in the park. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty get, sure that's you not You get allowed. out on public land, and it's a different story. It yeah. seems public. I feel like we pay for the park. It's just... 
We do. We, you know what? That's a good idea. Yeah. It's ju- it's just like you know deer in town that you could feed a cookie to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw oh, that I gotta, deer get exploded. Oh, the, one of the thugs on the road. Yeah. That day. I got to yeah. tell you guys a funny story because you know talking town deer. We have the neighborhood thugs here. Oh yeah, of they, course. They eat, yeah. eat my garden, and so I was standing right out here in the driveway the other day. Had my back, I put something in the garbage. Had my back to the arborvitae there, and I turn around. Here's this little buck. He's already starting to grow, you know, like yeah. three inches of horn. Yeah, uh, antler, excuse me, horn. And uh, <laughs> Jesus, you he's no novice. I know, and oh. he, novice. And he comes, he comes walking out from the neighbors right up almost to me. I'm like, hey, dude, what's up with you? Kind of a thing. And so I Did run you- back. So I, yeah. <laughs> There's the a story whisperer. Behind, there's a story behind that we'll tell in a second. But so I ran in and got Vicky and I said, Look at this buck. I mean he's just like tame or whatever. And he walked off and he went up that way. Well, a little bit later they come around here in the backyard and there's a whole bunch of them now. There's two little bucks and about six or seven does. So I go out the door and I just walk down there and they're eating in the in our field there. And I just said, hey, you going to come talk to me now? And I held out my hand, and that buck came over, and I touched his nose. Nice. And then he kind of turned around. Deer whispers. He's yeah. like, he turned around Welcome and walked pub. off. And I was like, well, how about you? And I walked over a couple more steps to the other buck and put my hand out, and he walks over, and I touched him on the nose. <laughs> and so now you have some crazy disease. Oh, yeah. It's called Dovid. <laughs> Dovid. <laughs> you- Dovid twenty three. No, he was a buck. Richie's got Dovid. Dovid twenty three. We're all Jesus. everyone's hiding your home. So tell tell him about that. Oh, I'm a deer whisperer. Yeah, tell him about it's, that. Well, so I'm like new to like the farm scene. You get like uh, horses to go by going, and so like Yellowstone is on. And so I was like a farm scene. A oh, hold it! No, it wasn't Yellowstone. It's because he's been having to take care of the horses and the, and the goats. I've oh, actually, yeah, yeah. I've actually refrained from that. Like I've been pretty much slacking on the old uh, barn talk, chores. Talking about his girlfriend's place, but but it was Yellowstone. They like to get a horse to go. The so I was practicing that right, mm-hmm. and then we were up in Republic. In Republic saw yeah. about fourteen hundred deer sitting in town. Yeah, we were ice fishing, and it was the dead of winter, and there's deer all over town. Yeah, it's like ten degrees outside. Ten degrees, and I go watch. I'll call these guys in, joking, and I go, "How many of those? Every single they, one of them came, came up, up, and they all like checked to see if I had any like potato chips." <laughs> yeah, he was. He, he had a. They had were an audience. Him. We were having to get away from them. Yeah, he had an audience. That's where COVID started. <laughs> It's all Britain's no, that was fault. Dovid. Dovid. Dovid 22. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gee, I wonder where it started. <laughs> it was a flock of geese for sure. Like, it was quite a few of them. No, 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 oh, no. no. Oh, wait the, a minute. The gr- a group of deer is called a flock, and they're a flock a of flock geese. It's called a, <laughs> it's they're called geese. a herd, you knucklehead. <laughs> they're geese. No. Just like meese and geese. We have, uh, we have degraded. <laughs> a flock of deer. <laughs> I think we've degraded. Yeah, we've gone downhill. But anyway, from yeah. one deer whisperer to another, welcome to the club. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It was quite impressive. You know what? They won't get near me for some reason. I, <laughs> I wonder what, why. I don't know what the deal is. I right? could see because you constantly have a rifle on you. I saw sausages and deer steaks. Exactly. Sausage exactly. In my eye, I was like, I wonder if I could just like you know like you know, how, how ring just jump on its back. And I grab was its thinking neck. about it. I thought, nah, I've had nah, to do that. Probably before. turn out bad. You probably get some type. I mean, there's got to be some type of legal parameters there that you. <laughs> yeah, jumped. killing a deer out of season that would probably be not good. Yeah, it would. That's be called good. the stay in your ground law. 
<laughs> yeah. Stand your ground. I got attacked by nine deers. I got a, I got attacked by a deer. Was looking for a cookie. I'm pretty sure that isn't the rule. Like bear, if you're getting attacked, like you can't kill that deer or that bear unless it's like drawn blood. No, it's no. got to be 25 feet. Huh? 25 feet. At 25 feet, if it's charging you, you can do it. I don't think that's the. I think they have to draw blood first. No. No. It's 25 feet. Hmm. Been there, done that. Well, listeners are going to have to Google that one, too. But until <laughs> next week, we're going to go refill and uh, yeah, we enjoy should our afternoon. Let's go get some Wood Family Spirits. Okay, let's go it. get some Wood uh, yeah, Family. Thank you to Foreplay Calls, uh, Wood Family Spirits. I guess we'll oh, thank and Max we Lure and Hair Outdoors. we got to thank Danny. Oh, yeah. the Pintail Soup was fantastic, Dan Avery. Yeah. We're going to go refill the Pintail Soup. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, be sure to go follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WAO Podcast, at Herod Outdoors, and at Max Lure. Be sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us keep doing this so we can keep drinking Wood Family Spirits. And <laughs> until next week, we will talk to you later. <laughs>